We get it, you're busy. You wanna grow and we wanna help. You're passionate about your craft because it deeply matters to you. Your faith is important, it's your foundation. At Stay Forth, we coach leaders to avoid burnout, live and lead with clarity, purpose, and from a place of health. We want you to experience long-term impact. Welcome to the journey. Hey friends, happy 2024. I know this is the week that tends to feel pretty pressurized for leaders. Last year uh, maybe was for you a good year, maybe it was a really hard year, but you're coming into the year saying, I want something new, I want something fresh. And I hope that you've got some goals you're heading toward coaching clients. It's been so good to get back with you in the rhythm. And we just want this to be a space where in 2024, you grow in health, you grow in impact, maybe emotionally, relationally, spiritually, physically. You've got some goals this year, and we want you to see gains in your health and your impact this year. Secondly, we have gone to video. So hello, if you're watching us and seeing us over on YouTube, we want you to head on over there once in a while, keep catching us via audio, but we want you to interact, drop some thoughts there in the comments, and of course, in the show notes, anytime we leave a link, we are gonna give you that link right here. We have some great news. If you are ready to execute in 2024, which I believe that you are, if you're listening here, we want you to jump into the Effective Leader Cohort. Now, we've created this with a leader in mind who's busy, and we, we say eight weeks. Eight weeks for two hours a week, we're gonna teach you eight core foundational skills. We believe that if you don't get these skills in leadership, then you're gonna actually have to come back and circle back to these skills. Guys, the best time to learn skills in leadership is right where you're at. Not when you're in the next role, you head on to the next state. Learn them right now. Learn them amidst a community in these eight weeks with discussion. You could come in with a team, come in with your spouse, or just come in by yourself. There's an incredible group of folks that wants to learn and grow just like you, no matter what industry you're in, no matter what role you're in, this is a great space for you. So the Effective Leader Cohort, it starts in just a few weeks. Go ahead and register below in the comments or in the show notes. You can see where we're going. Today's conversation is a great one. I love Jordan Rayner, the way he thinks about life calling, career, and work. We have him back here for a third time on the podcast. That's right, three times. I love the conversation with him. Hang on till the end for the lightning round with my conversation with my friend, Jordan Rayner. Jordan Rayner, welcome back to the podcast. Alan, you do these you know, podcast tours, every book, and there's like a handful of shows you get excited about, and this is one of them for me. It's good to see oh. you again. I hope you're nervous as well because you know the lightning <laughs> round is coming. I Once, do know the lightning round. You're you're legendary at this. You get one I asked free you pass. Last time I was like, these are not. You do not make these up on the fly. You're like, I swear I do. It's crazy. Well, you get one free pass, and you get to come. <laughs> we'll be nice to you, but you come back a second time, and you are part of the three timer club. So at this point, we're just trying to like roast you at the end. So yeah, I love it. I did. I love the way you think. I love our conversations. So same here, man. Love love having you here. Um, the intersection of so many things that I love. And then we talk about right here on the podcast. So let's bust straight into it. Congrats on your new book, The Sacredness of Secular Work. Where did this idea germinate from? Yeah. So 
I've been creating content full time uh, for the last few years, helping Christians understand how the work matters for eternity. And you know, Alan, when I tell somebody, whether they're an entrepreneur or a teacher or a barista, that their work matters for eternity, the most typical response I hear is, um, oh, amen, my job is my mission field. And listen, that is, of course, gloriously true. But if the only way that your work matters for eternity is because you can leverage your job to quote-unquote share the gospel, then most of us are wasting the vast majority of our time. And I don't know about you, I, I find that deeply depressing, but more importantly, it's deeply unbiblical. And my, my desperate hope is that every believer would see how every moment of their life can matter for eternity. Not just the 0.1% of our time that we spend walking somebody through the Romans road in our lifetime. But how does every Zoom meeting we lead, how does every Uber we drive, how does every story we write and every diaper we change, how is it in the words of the Apostle Paul, not in vain? That's why I wrote The Sacredness of Secular Work, to help believers get a bigger picture of how their work matters for eternity, even when they're not sharing the gospel. We need that in this moment. We work with a lot of people who are burning out. And I wonder the connection between not thinking that my work matters unless I give a ton of money away, you know, to some nonprofit or mission or work across the world. Um, what do you see as a potential connection between burnout and just not thinking our, our work actually matters for eternity? I think there's a huge connection here, right? I, I, I quoted Leo Tolstoy, author of War and Peace and many other books in the introduction of this book, saying that th this is the question that you cannot live fully without answering. What is the ultimate purpose of what I do today? And if you can't answer that question, of course, burnout is inevitable. If it's, And I think this is even worse for Christ followers, right? Because we want our work to matter deeply to God. We want it to matter beyond the temporal. We want it to matter for eternity. But when for the first time in church history, we have made the Great Commission, the only commission that Christians feel called to, it's impossible to see how 100% of my work matters for eternity. So I go to church on Sunday and I feel like a second-class Christian because the only people I ever see on the platform of my church are my pastor and the quote-unquote full-time missionaries that we send out to do the real work of ministry. But the story of scripture is that God delights in every detail of the lives of the godly. See Psalm 37, 23. He delights in everything that we do with excellence and love and in accordance with his commands. And if that's true, if we believe that to be true, then every single moment I have at work today is fused with sacred and eternal significance. And that, I believe, is a huge key to avoiding burnout for the believer. Oh, yes, sir. All right. Talk about the two commissions. You talk about the Great Commission and then, of course, the First Commission. What do you mean by that and how are they connected? Yeah. So, again, for the first time ever in church history, we have turned the Great Commission to make disciples that Jesus gave in Matthew 28 into the exclusive commission that Christians feel called to. And lest I be misinterpreted, <clears throat> Man, the Great Commission is indeed great. It's just not only. And there's a lot of dangers in treating it as the only one. What we see throughout Scripture is that Christians today have a dual commission. The Great Commission to make disciples 
And the first commission to make culture that we see first in Genesis 1 and literally see all the way from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, Genesis 1, 26 through 28, God says, let us make mankind in our image. Why? So that they may rule. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. This is the first commission, right? Wayne Grudem, editor of the ESV Bible, has the best summary I've ever heard of the first commission. He says, this is simply a call to make the earth more useful for other human beings' benefit and enjoyment. So good. Sounds a lot like the work that our listeners do every day as entrepreneurs and baristas and accountants and mechanics. But there's this nasty little lie running around the church these days that says, well, somehow in a post-Genesis 3 world, the Great Commission has somehow canceled out that first commission. It's replaced that first commission. We see no evidence for this in God's word. Genesis 9, after Noah and family hop off of the ark, what are some of God's first words to Noah? Fill the earth. He's reiterating the first commission yet again in the context of blessing. Oh, by the way, spoiler alert, when we fast forward to the end of this age and look forward to the age to come, scripture makes it abundantly clear that eternity is not lying around in hammocks in heaven. It's not strumming endless harps and harpist chords. Isaiah 65 says God's chosen people will long enjoy the work of their hands by building houses and planting vineyards. And so if that's the thing we were created to do in the beginning, this first commission to create culture, if it's a thing that we've been redeemed to do today, see Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, where it talks about the good works that Christ has redeemed us to do. And if it's what we're going to be doing for eternity on the new earth, then clearly my work, all of it today, matters to God, even the quote unquote unspiritual tasks I do day in, day out of my office. I love that usefulness idea. We talk a lot about being helpful. Just how can I help? How can I help? And it, it feels amazing to be used, to be utilized, to be valuable in that that useful idea. Um, we just don't we just don't talk about that. That doesn't that doesn't come up. Although I'm hearing it more and more. I think this is a timely message for this moment. I'm curious, when did you first know this message was true? Take me back when you first knew in your bones that this message just had to be true. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, so after I sold my second company, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And when you sell two companies, the natural thing to do is you, you know, you go start a third, right? Like well, that, or you, you go know, travel for six months in Europe and you then go you go start a third. Months, right. So that was the plan uh, was to start another venture. But for a hot minute there, my wife and I were also praying about starting a church because I believed if I really loved Jesus, I was really serious about Jesus, I would move to a mud hut 5,000 miles away from home to make disciples, or I would go plant a church. And so we were considering these two paths, start a business, start a church. And uh, I'll never forget one Sunday after church, I had this godly mentor of mine pull me aside. And he's like, hey, I, I heard you're thinking about planting a church. And I'm thinking this guy's going to pat me on the back, maybe write me my first check. And he just looks me dead in the eyes like, yeah, I got to be honest. That sounds really dumb for you. He's like, Jordan, you're a talented entrepreneur. 
you've served your customers and your investors and your team with excellence. You are fully alive as you're doing this work. Why do you think you have to go plant a church to do ministry? Don't you understand that your work is ministry? And I, I issued the same thing I tell my readers. Oh, yeah, my job is my bitch fizzing. No, 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 no. Beyond that, you're talking about instrumental value. What you're to, your work has instrumental value in writing checks to your church and making disciples, but it also has intrinsic value to God. And I looked at this guy like he had three hands. I had no idea what he's talking about. And so he said, hey, here's what I want you to do. With this conversation in the background of your mind, I want you to go read Genesis 1 and 2. And I'm thinking, read Genesis 1. I've read Genesis 1 and 2 a thousand times, right? He said, go read it again. And when I saw it changed my life forever, <laughs> I saw that before God tells us that he is holy or loving or omnipotent, he tells us that he is a God who creates, a God who is productive, a God who works. And again, long before the Great Commission, there's this first commission handed down to humankind to, in the image of God, which, oh, by the way, up until this point, we only know one thing about the image of God. It's say like he's a God who works, to work in his image to make this world more useful for other human beings' benefit and enjoyment. That, Alan, is when I started to nail on my bones. Man, this work I do as an entrepreneur, your work, listener, that you do as a marketer, as a sales rep, as a mechanic, as a lumberjack, whatever, has to have intrinsic value to God beyond sharing the gospel, beyond writing checks to your church, because it's the very thing that God created you to do in the beginning. By the way, we're recording this a couple weeks before Christmas. If you want evidence before outside of Genesis 1 that your work has intrinsic value, look to Jesus of Nazareth. God could have chosen for Jesus to grow up in anybody's household. He could have chosen for Jesus to grow up in the home of a priest like John the Baptist, where he would spend all day, every day doing the spiritual work of prayer. He could have chosen for Jesus to grow up in the home of a Pharisee like, like the Apostle Paul, where he would spend all day long studying God's word, studying Torah. But instead, God the Father in his sovereignty chose for Jesus to grow up in the home of a small business owner, where he would spend all of his days doing what? Swinging a hammer, filling the earth, making it more useful for other human beings' benefit and enjoyment as a carpenter. That gives us intrinsic value in the work we do today. Mm. Love it. Manual labor, small business. Um, man, so many questions here. Let's talk about a couple of ways that we, when we get this wrong, it goes weird. Talk about <laughs> the person is a person of Jesus. They they own their business but they misunderstand what this could and should look like. And it just gets weird. Oh man. I, 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 the first thing that comes to mind is when we, when we do not embrace our dual commission and we only see the great commission, we start treating our customers and our team members and our coworkers as salvation projects. Mm. Rather than just simply image bearers that we are called to love. And listen, they're also salvation projects, right? But people can sniff out from a mile away that you are only engaging with them in order to save their souls, right? Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, period, full stop. Not love your neighbor as yourself so that at every yep. corner and every turn, you yep. can tell them the good news about what I did for their souls, right? Yep. That's a good thing. 
we need to be leveraging our our work to the instrumental end of evangelism but it's when we recognize that our work also has intrinsic value that we can stop treating everybody as a salvation project and also oh by the way come fully alive because when you understand that God cares about 100% of your time at work and not just the 1% of your time you spend walking somebody through the Romans road, you become a fully alive person, knowing that every moment has the potential to contribute to God's eternal happiness. Psalm 37, 23, I mentioned it briefly earlier, says that the Lord directs the steps of the godly and delights in every detail of their lives, every detail, Right? That's not what many pastors are telling their congregations, sadly. Many pastors are saying, hey, your work only matters when you write a check to us. They're not saying it that brazenly, right? But that's sure. what they're implying. Your work sure. only matters if you're saving souls. But when I understand that, no, 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 everything I do in accordance with God's commands in a godly way is an ingredient to God's eternal happiness. I'm fully alive. And here's the irony. Fully alive people attract the loss like honey attracts bees. It is ironically by making the Great Commission the only commission that yep. we're becoming less effective at the Great Commission because people are going to work like zombies half alive Monday through Friday because they don't understand how it all matters in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, so drawn to it. And here's what's interesting too. So I work with some pastors, I work with some entrepreneurs and many entrepreneurs want to be pastors or at least the idea of it. And many pastors want to be entrepreneurs or at least the idea of it. And so I think we have misconceived both sides of that. And I think it's not helpful to either side. And so trying to create those spaces where the two can mix, because um, they mix quite well when you get the conversations together. It, it's really cool to watch that. But just interesting, I was just kind of thinking back on how many times I've heard that sort of privately, them them share that. It's, it's interesting um, to me. Are there a couple of stories, businesses, entrepreneurs that have done this well? that are just beautiful to you, just kind of potent ways that they've realized every detail of what I do actually matters intrinsically to God. Yeah. I'll give you one. So the net of this book, I, I, I pray that people walk away from the sacredness of secular work with two things. One, encouragement that all your type of work has the potential to matter to God, but not just encouragement. I pray People are also walking away with a challenge to make their work matter more in the grand scheme of eternity. Because while all good God-honoring work matters for eternity, not all work matters equally for eternity. Okay. Right? You could have two marketing managers at the same business, both of them believers, and one of them's earning more eternal rewards than the other because they're more intentional about optimizing for eternity. I'll, I'll give you one example. Uh, a friend of mine named Michael Thompson runs a phenomenal recruiting business out of Raleigh, North Carolina, called the Turas Group, T-U-R-A-S, if you want to look it up. Now, Michael came from a background in staffing, um, very competitive industry. He started Turas intentionally to place refugees in fairly low-wage jobs here in the United States. So they do a lot of food and beverage recruiting and listen wow. the margins he michael's making a lot less money focusing on that segment of the market because the margins are unbelievably thin but he is choosing to do that because he wants his work to matter more and so he's focusing on loving refugees that jesus told us to love right 
and thus, I believe, earning for himself more eternal rewards on the eternal heaven on earth, i.e. the new earth. So that's just one example. So Michael understands that. And listen, they share the gospel from time to time with these refugees that are coming in through their pipeline, but that's not the only reason why they exist. They understand that simply providing a refugee with a job here in the States is intrinsically valuable to God. And so Michael is fully alive as he does that work, and he's optimizing that work for our eternal future. And there are parts of work that we have to push through and then parts of work that are just so natural, our sweet spot. So Jordan, give me two or three areas that are just your sweet spot. And when you are doing that, it is Jordan fully alive. Oh man. Um, It's a pick two situation. Distilling, distilling really complex ideas Hmm. into really simplistic. Like I'll give you an example. Um, I spent probably two weeks um, just working on the chapter title of chapter one of the sacredness of secular work. I'm trying to language because I, 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 I heard a lot of people talking about a thin gospel that we're preaching in our churches today. Some people call it um, a too thin gospel, a too short gospel, a truncated gospel. I worked at this for two weeks. I was like, hey, this is the abridged gospel we're preaching in our churches today, right? The abridged gospel that says that Jesus came to save you and me from our sins, which is true, but in an abridged version of the truth. And so being able to articulate that as the abridged gospel and give language to that, man, I love doing that. I could do that all day long. I love anything about the writing process. I love distilling ideas. I love languaging. I love outlining. Man, that is where I feel God's pleasure the most. All right. One more question here before we dive into the lightning round. Um, Can you pick up a book, a copy of this book, or... Um, read it from memory or think about one principle in this book that if you feel like, man, somebody just picked up the book and they pointed to a certain page, you'd say, don't miss this. So if you have the book, feel free to read us a paragraph. If it's just a principle, if it's you know one thought from page 37, give it to us now. It's a... It is a modern man-made lie that the Great Commission is the only thing that you're called to in this life. And pastors pastor tell it to you all the time, all the time. I, I'm not going to mention this person's name because I agree with him on a lot of things. I vehemently disagree with him here. But he says the consequences of the Great Commission will last forever. The consequences of your job will not. That's a lie from the pit of hell, that I believe Satan is using to thwart Christ's followers' effectiveness in the workplace. All of it matters to God. All because Jesus is king, not just of the spiritual realm of souls, he's king over the spiritual and the material, over every square inch of creation. And so you can know that every single day, every action you take with the spiritual or the material can last for eternity. I believe literally lasts for eternity, by the way. Spoiler alert, if you want to dig into Isaiah 60, we go deeper into that book. But the, the simplest form of that idea is every moment matters to God. Uh, and we, man, we could spend an hour going deep on this. To really understand this, you got to make that leap from the abridged gospel to the unabridged gospel. You also got to replace these half-truths about heaven that are pervasive in the church today with the whole truths that we find in Scripture to really grasp that. Those two ideas alone are half of this book. 
Uh, but that's the net of it. A hundred percent of your time matters to God, but most believers don't believe it because of those two things. So good. Somebody's doing dishes right now as they're listening to this and they needed to hear that. So you know who you are who's listening to this. All right. The lightning round for you, a third timer here on Stay Forth Leadership Podcast. All right, man. What's a niche book that you've read that's amazing that none of us would know about? <laughs> that's a great question. Dang. Um, Smart Brevity. Uh, it's a phenomenal book if you write anything ever, including lengthy emails. It's uh, by the guys at Axios. Great for nonfiction writers, but also for anyone writing anything ever. It's and phenomenal. I'll be organizing my, th- my thoughts right around that. Thank you for that. Yes. And my listeners will thank you later on. What's one food you aren't sure why, but it's so freaking good? Topo Chico. Like food and or drink. Food and or drink. It'll food play. and or beverage. It'll play. You live in Florida. We'll count it. Um, <laughs> other than your parents, who are a few people who have shaped you more than anyone else? Tim Keller. Uh, Rest in peace. Love that Tim man. Tim Keller's answers one through five. This book is dedicated to Tim. It literally would not exist without Tim. And his work and his encouragement of my work... Uh, Right before he passed, he was able to speak some incredible words of blessing over my work. And um, man, that's what I need to finish this book hmm. and have the courage to say a lot of the hard things I'm saying in it. And so, man, Tim's at the top of the list. I honestly can't even think of a second other than my bride. Like Tim Keller and my wife. That's it. There you go. That'll do. All right. If you could magically go pro in any sport, what would it be? Basketball. Basketball. Not on the cards. Are, I'm five six. What position? Magically. Point guard. Point guard. Okay. Fair. Um what is one hindrance or frustration you normally hit that just drives you crazy? Ooh. You're gonna stump me on this. Um with every single book, I feel like I'm nowhere at the beginning. Like literally mm. nowhere. Like I'm morose for two weeks. I tell my wife I'm never going to be able to write again. Um, every, literally every single book. I just read, I'm obsessed with Fred Rogers. Um, I've read every biography ever written on Fred. And he felt like this 30 years deep in his career. Like he would come to a script for an episode. He did 900 episodes, right? He'd come to a script for an episode, big. who am I to think I could do this? And I find great encouragement in that. Mm, Fred, love it. If you could spend a weekend with anyone who's alive right now, who would it be? My wife. Besides your wife. I mean, (laughs) come on. That's the right answer. But besides your wife and your kids and your extended family. Anyone? This is a great question. Learn, hang out, relax. Anything's on the table. George W. Bush. The dubs. All right. Last one here. If you could put one more thing in the book that after the deadline you weren't able to slip in, what would it be? My favorite writer of all time, Aaron Sorkin, says he's never turned in a script that he didn't want to immediately take back and completely rewrite. That's how I feel about every book. So, I, man, I got the answers for days on this. Um. So this whole book is about helping you see just how much your work matters. 
I wish I could have added an epilogue to the epilogue. It's like, hey, yeah, your work does matter um, deeply to God. But don't fall for the lie. That, I think that can lead to the lie that, man, um, it's the old adage, if you find work you love, you'll never work a day in your life. I think he can lead to that kind of thinking. That's a lie. Because all, only Jesus Christ can ultimately satisfy. That's it. Period. And I actually think it's a blessing that work is under the curse in a post-Genesis 3 world until the new earth. Because it means that I'm never going to find ultimate joy and satisfaction in work apart from Christ. And that's a blessing. Right. Because on my worst days, it drives me to my knees and reminds me of my desperate need for the Lord. And that is a good thing because that's where we all need to be all day, every day. That's what I wish I could add. Mm. That's a good word, man. Now you are preaching, my friend Jordan Rayner. I am so grateful for you, for these words, and I can't wait to pick up the book. So congrats on this new book, baby, out in the world, growing legs at this point by the time our listeners hear about it. So grateful for you sitting at the intersection really of theology and of business and work and what it means to live an everyday life. Uh, I value your voice in that space, and I'm so glad that Tim Keller and others have affirmed that. Jordan, let's keep doing what you're doing, man. It matters. Thanks, brother. I mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, but I just want to bring it up again. The Effective Leader Cohort starts in just a few weeks. Guys, I don't know if there's a better deal right now in leadership development. To invest eight weeks in learning these eight core skills with a group of people like you that's non-judgmental and they're grappling for what does health look like? How do I sustain this? And I want to grow. I want to accomplish my goals. I want to lead people well this year. Don't hesitate. Jump into the Effective Leader Cohort at a price point everybody can handle. We know one-on-one coaching is expensive, and we also understand that you've got some big goals, and there can be quite a bit of pressure this year. Join us and leaders like you for the Effective Leader Cohort. Register below.